Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 16, The Annoying Ones. This week, we're discussing season 2, episode 1 of Doctor Who, New Earth, and season 2, episode 3 of Buffy, School Hard. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, so I want to start talking about New Earth um, with the face of Bo, because I just think he's so cool. <laughs> um, I, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, he's a face and he's a Bo. Uh, <laughs> I mean... So, okay, and and even kind of, I suppose, even a little before that, obviously the last time we saw him was in The End of the World, which this seems to be a sequel to, as you kind of pointed out to me. And there's a lot of little um, things. I mean, The End of the World, we saw the destruction of Earth. Now we're seeing the creation of, well, not the creation of, but an established new Earth and a mm-hmm. new Times 15 York. Um, mm-hmm. The... But the the face of Bo, I mean, I don't know. He's just, as a concept, it seems really cool. And I think part of it is just sort of the mystery around him. Because i got to be honest, I've watched this episode twice. I've watched End of the World twice. We've gotten a few other references in The Long Game and in um, uh, uh, Bad Wolf, was it? No, the episode. Uh, Yeah. Oh, was it Bad Wolf? Okay. Yeah, um, where, where he was one of the the answers to the weakest link. Right, questions. right, right, right. No, it, so it was before Bad. It was the episode before Bad Wolf. That is Bad Wolf. That is Bad Wolf. Yeah. Okay. And anyway. then Parting of the Ways is the finale. Parting of the Ways. Oh, that's right. Parting of the Ways yeah. is now. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I was right. See why are you correcting me? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a few a few references to him there, but. We don't see him or hear from him in End of the World. Um, I mean, we don't hear from him. We see him. And we don't, um, you know, we just get a few other references here. But we get a lot of really interesting stuff um, in this episode. So, uh, well, he's asleep for most of it. and mm-hmm. And the sister of plenitude says that it's what he tends to do these days meaning yeah. that and 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 so we learn that he's dying of old age and and um he's at least thousands of years old although the doctor then says later that he there's rumors that he's millions of years old so right i guess i guess you know eh, you know a couple zeros on the end of that what's one a few thousand a thousands, few million. why not yeah. millions yeah yeah, yeah exactly um who, he's, who knows how what kind of longevity the bow kind have <laughs> just yeah exactly <laughs> he's just freaking old um but then of course we get the the uh sort of the the legend or prophecy or whatever from the sister who um says that uh well she says one story says that just before his death the face of bow will impart his great secret that he will speak uh words to one who's like himself, a wanderer, a man without a home, the lonely God, which we've heard the doctor called before. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. where, where, uh, where was that? Was it with, um, it was with Margaret, wasn't it? When, isn't she the one who, who says yeah, something about, yeah, she does kind of, yeah, she does say something about him being like a God and having these sort of godlike 
Yeah. Yeah, powers and... Um, yeah. And he's certainly without a home. He's certainly a right. traveler. Right, and, and he yeah. certainly seems to think that it applies to him. And then later... Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I thought you were gonna tell me something when, when, the, when the face wakes up, um, yeah. and and <laughs> but he says you were supposed to be dying. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. In this yeah. place where everyone seems to miraculous, miraculously get better, um, which is an interesting thing. Actually, I didn't really think of that about that when I was I was watching. But he gets better along, or seems to get a little bit better anyway, enough to wake yeah, up he, and transport yeah, no, that's himself true. away. He, he does get a little bit of a rejuvenation. Um, along with everyone else in the hospital after that. I yeah, hadn't... maybe like the vapors from the medicine. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on there. But um, he says, you know, basically, oh, we're not going to do our little chat yet. We're going to meet a third time. The magic three, right? There's There's, yeah. there's power in three. Uh, yeah, and and so yep. we're going to meet the third time for the third time for the last time. And and I I I assume well, do we know does does the face of Bo travel through time and stuff too? I mean, he kind of transports himself away. Is he like does he know this for a fact, or is this just like something that he's? And maybe you don't want to say if you know more about that, but I'm I'm just curious because he he says it. It doesn't seem like prophetic. It seems like. He, yeah. kn- he knows that's what's going to happen. So, like, like he's perhaps been at that meeting or um, already or, or or knows somehow Yeah, I'm not it. sure exactly how much he knows. I think it's more... I think... I think it is a little bit more specific. Like, like it's not just, like, I have a feel. I think it, you know, and... Well, and, and I say, I say like, he's been to that meeting. Like, maybe for him it's already happened in his right, personal right. timeline because of whatever, you know, because it's yeah. technically in the past and the doctor has been there. So, but he knows it's the third time the doctor sees him and the I doctor's you, on yeah. time. Yeah. I know. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm well, actually I trying won't. to work it out in my own mind because I'm, like, confused about. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't, I won't spoil that then because I think that is a possibility. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that as an um, open question okay. for now. Well, anyway, so um, that, yeah, I was, and I didn't, I don't have any specific theory one way or the other. I mean, I don't know enough about him to yeah. understand. All I know is that apparently he can teleport. So yeah. time, time travel seems like it's a possibility, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why not? I, there seem to be a lot of time travelers in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah. Well, and he's got his, telepathic communication like it's kind of implied that he's uh the one who sent the the message to the doctor which it seems at first like it's good he's going to tell him his secret right before he dies but then it really the fact that he leaves without telling it to me suggests that it was more to expose the secrets of the hospital that he's Mm. in this hospital and as cassandra says the cats have secrets so he's you know so whether it's just on uh, New Earth, or maybe there are other times that he's encountered the Doctor in his personal past, maybe he knows that you know the Doctor's the guy to call in to sort of suss out these you know conspiracies which are happening right, you know right. in the sub basement. So he kind of sends a psychic message to a the little paper warning. to yeah. say 
you know, you might want to come check this out. That's um, interesting. I didn't even connect the the message. Yeah, and I don't know that it's stated that overtly, but I mean, I can't it, think of anyone else who would have called the doctor. So no, you're right. It makes sense with his telepathic ability, and then the fact that once everything's kind of taken care of, he's like, "Okay, I'm out of here. Well, see ya." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, huh. That is interesting. And of course the the other interesting aspect is that the last time we saw the face of Bo is also the last time we saw Cassandra. Yeah. <laughs> who turns yeah. out to be um well I'm not sure. So there's like a couple monsters of the week. She seems to be the the um red herring monster of the week. Like Right. I mean obviously what she does with Rose and kind of entering her mind is monstrous. Yeah. Right, but um, she also kind of becomes a sort of the companion. So. Yeah, she she becomes a temporary companion. Yeah. Um. Well, and maybe all companions are temporary, but the the more temporary than Rose companion. Yeah. <laughs> um. However, you want to state that. So, uh, which yeah, again, is the last time we saw her was was at the end of the world. So it's a lot of lot of interesting connections there, and and. Again, I guess that brings up the point of is the face of Bo, you know, why is the face of Bo there? Is it, is it solely for, uh, you know, to, to expose the sisters of plenitude or is it also to kind of finish what we thought was finished with Cassandra, but, but maybe, uh, you know, may, maybe yeah, there's, I hadn't even thought of that, but may, that's true. Maybe there's a dual purpose there. Yeah, no, he might be sort of keeping an eye on all these nefarious goings-on in the basement of the hospital and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, all he says is, Ward 26, please come. Like, that's it. Right, so, which is where he know, is, right? Which is where he is, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but he's... He's facet. He's He's textbook enigmatic. He's textbook so. enigmatic. Yes, he is indeed. Um, great line there, by the yeah. way. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't, I mean, I wanted to start with him because of that. Because we don't know much about him. And I'm curious. And that annoys me that I don't have answers. Yeah. Um, and I just think, I, you know, I mean, occasionally Russell Davies can go off the deep end and come up with monsters like Slovene. You know, that does happen. But a lot of times, I just love his... Some of the aliens he comes up with are just what part of his brain did the face of Bo come from? I just, yeah. it's so bizarre, but in a really um, delightful way. You and, know, I really like that character. And that's interesting because I didn't actually even consider, like, there have been a number of things where my first question is, oh, is that a new creation for New Who versus, right, you know, a classical yeah. thing? And I just, I just, Assume. I think sort of assumed that face of Bo was a new thing. Like, and that most that of them are. Not... Most of them are. I, I'll try to point out the ones that are. Um... I mean, I knew Daleks were, yeah. you know, from the yeah. classic series. But I just, yeah, I'd, like that never even crossed my mind to question <laughs> whether. And, and, and I think usually the doctor will point out, like, you'll get a sense of like, oh, I met these beings mm -hmm. years before on whatever. Like, like often he'll make a comment that kind of clues you into the fact that this is an old enemy that he's had dealings with, you know, well, so and like, if like, it doesn't, if it, you'll probably be able to tell which are which. Yeah. Um, sure. but, but all I can certainly 
flag the ones that are. Well, I was just going to say, like, with Sisters of Plenitude, I didn't really question it either because you know it's New Earth. You know, you know it's a place that was just created and they're, you know, cats. Um, I kind of, I really like the choice. I mean, I think the makeup is really good, but I like the choice of cats for these cat nun (laughs) nurses things. Like, I just feel like that would be the cats, wouldn't it? Like, sterile and, and following the rule book to what seems to be the letter but secretly they have this whole hidden motivation or like i just feel like that fits the character of the cat so well yeah well there you would know if anyone would (laughs) cat um so no the the yeah these these uh sisters they're they are nefarious they I I want to know, like, how Cassandra knows. Like, I don't know. There's so many questions about how she got there and what she's been doing. She kind of alludes at one point to, you know, how she's been spending her time trying to um, kill the doctor. So she seems to – well, they know the doctor's coming because Chip scouts out with mm-hmm. his little robot thing that they're in the right, right. place. So it's kind of the right place at the right time. Right. Sort of thing for her. She's taking advantage uh, versus before where she was more of an orchestrator. Yeah. Uh, With the end of the world, she she orchestrated, you know, kind of the situation and and all of that. Now, now it's more she's only she's got fewer resources, I guess. And she's Uh just trying to figure out a way to get a new body. Um, But I. So obviously we called this episode the annoying ones because I find her quite annoying Um, (laughs) more so even than our next show that we're going to talk about here. But I do kind of like what they did with her character Um, Mm -hmm. and you do get sort of a change in, in her throughout, but I guess we should start about the old Cassandra that we know and don't love so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, let me just point out. uh, Oh Yeah. That um, the as Zoe Wanamaker plays Cassandra as okay. she was the real human mm-hmm. uh, Cassandra, and she did the voice originally. So I think that's kind of nice that they said, you know, would you like to play her as well as do the voice? So just in case anyone wasn't sure, to confirm that is the same actress who's done the voice before and everything. Okay. Interesting. Um, I I find it uh, interesting what they do with her character in regard to the fact that, you know, before she she was perfectly fine being flat and considered herself, you know, the epitome of beauty. Yeah. Uh, in that regard. But now she's, you know, first thing she does when she becomes part of Rose is, you know, to admire her curves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how look how curvy she is, which, you know. Yeah. Is... It's like, it's like living inside a bouncy castle. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, like it, it's hard. I, I'm not, I'm not clear. I totally understand that change there, but you kind of have to assume that that's um, tied to her watching of the old videos of herself before she was flattened. And, yeah. and the, 
sort of musing realization that she has as she's doing that, that that was the last time anyone called her beautiful. Yeah, um, well, and I think her her motivation to go into Rose isn't because she admires Rose's beauty. I mean, she calls her common, but um, I think it's more like they know they have a limited time in which her you know, like Chip says, the brain meat expired. Like, it's like she's about to get evicted from, she's going to die, whatever, whether it's yeah. the brain or the life support or whatever. So she needs, it's more just a, I need, I need a vehicle. Um, but then you're right. As soon as she gets in, it's like suddenly she remembers how nice it was to have curves and that, you know, uh, and, and yeah. And then, so the change is more like, huh, you know this is actually kind of nice, kind of forgot about this. And then everything after that is her sort of reveling in this, you know, body that she hasn't had for who knows how long, you know? Yeah. So I think that's behind the, like, it's all, you know, kind of checking herself out. And it's kind of funny how her checking herself out kind of echoes the way the doctor checks himself out when he gets a new body. It's <laughs> She starts by going, you know, legs, arms, hair you know, what have I got this time kind of a thing. Hmm. Um, and yeah, then, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, and then kind of just, and I think that's, maybe this is too early to bring it up, so we should keep talking about Cassandra, but I think that's too behind the whole big kiss with the doctor, too, is like, well, since I'm in this body and you're there, why don't we do this? You know, like, when was the last time she got to do that? Right. Um and she kind of has that line at the end about with when she's been in the flesh, how, you know, their whole lives that they've never been touched. And then the doctor kind of reaches out his hand and is willing to touch her. It's like probably a long time since she's been touched like that, too. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get the sense of her, you know, I don't think she becomes like a hero overnight, but you do get a sense of her regaining, you know, a life that she hasn't had since she had a real body. Right. Well, and, and it, it throws into contrast, I think, because one of, you know, she, she became flat by trying to preserve her life. Right. And, and yeah. part of that was the beauty that she had. Um, and, and I'm sure it happened slowly over time, over, you know, many years. Yeah. But seeing that contrast is, is kind of what brings it out. And, and so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it is interesting that that's the first thing she thinks of when she gets into Rose's body. It, I guess I was, I was, I, you're right about the motivation, not necessarily being the curves themselves. It's, it's self preservation of any kind, <laughs> um, because yeah. you know, the brain meat is rotting. Um, but I think it's more than, more than just that. Like it seemed, mm -hmm. it, it, I don't know. I took it at least to be to be that the the curviness was also part of her. Like it was, you know, because she could have gone into some something else. Right, she could have gone into Chip earlier or, or yeah, yeah, else. yeah. Like yeah. There, you know, she picked a youthful, good-looking young woman, you know, yeah. to yeah. to go into because that's what she wanted to be again. Um. Or at least there was some motivation for that. Yeah, no, um, I think that's right. 
The, um, we were talking a little bit about this before um, we started recording, too, just kind of talking about our appreciation of Billy Piper's performance and the fact that how her, she really, really plays that up yeah. without going too cartoonish. Like, she just, I think she just hits the note perfectly. And that you really don't realize how much of a performance she's giving as Rose until you see her do something different. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing of the way she carries herself changes. She mimics the voice. She changes, she, she does Cassandra's accent trying to mimic her own real accent, which is hysterical. Yes. All the Cockney, <laughs> you know, Governor like, and yeah. Watcha and the rhyming slang and it's all like it's like Dickens Cockney. It's, it's not like, like it's like how people think Cockney is without really yeah 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 it's yeah very uh, very um, uh, what's the word caricatured yeah um, yeah absolutely yeah no you're right and and yes we we can admire Billy Piper quite a bit in this scene in this episode. Um, it and one of the things that I think I was saying before is just that you know you get you get sort of um just talking about Billy as an actress, you know you get into sort of that mode of just sort of assuming that she's just like Rose is because that's how we've always seen her, you know kind yeah. of in the show and yeah. it's you, you know but no it it really does uh just as Cassandra you know going into. Rose kind of throws stark contrast between their body types and, and kind of mm-hmm. the desires that she has seeing Billy Piper in these two different roles back, you know, right juxtaposed to each other kind of shows you how good of an actress she really is. And, um, and I, I have obviously no idea what she's like in real life. Maybe she <laughs> is much like Rose or maybe she's more like Cassandra in real life. I don't know. <laughs> I have no way of knowing. Um, but the, yeah, no, it's just it's just uh she does a really good job with it. I agree. Um <clears throat> anything the, else about Cassandra? Just so I guess so talking about Rose and Cassandra together, of course, we get the insights from Cassandra being part of Rose and you mentioned the kiss, of course. We've seen the doctor and Rose kiss before, not this doctor and Rose, but mm-hmm. um the uh the the one the couple of insights um well the one the one primary one uh that we get is uh when she says to the doctor you're you're completely mad i can see why she likes you yeah <laughs> um and it's like you kind of get that understanding that she is not only part of rose now but she knows what rose is thinking and has been thinking and her yeah. sort of emotional responses um and that yeah, well, and the other the other big one being when she's in the doctor and she says, and she's kind of checking herself out and she says uh, that he's foxy and she says, you thought so too. I've been in your head. You like it. Mm. Um, or he says. Um, so, yeah. Right, so as both Cassandra. Times, right, right, right. As Cassandra. So both times we're getting info about Rose via... Cassandra having been in and maybe getting some insight into, you know, she also says it's hormone city in her head. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um. And also I want to point out something about 
the kiss, which is that this is the second one that they've had. Um, and both times, it's not straightforwardly romantic. It's not a man and a woman, you know, kissing each other because, like, for purely romantic reasons. It's, it, that's part of it. But there's also, there's always other underlying reasons and motives as yeah, well. Rose so is possessed time, most time, both Rose times. is possessed. We have to get the time vortex out of her. Why not kiss it out? You yeah, know, like, I think you need a doctor. I think you need a doctor. And then this time it is more of a physical thing, but it's not really Rose. It's Cassandra. Well, right. and a it's Cassandra that initiates like the doctor doesn't even really participate all that much. And then it's not even Rose in control of herself. Um, so both times, it's kind of just an interesting trend um, to notice that it, it's it's not really romantic kissing. It's like there's always some other reason that's complicating. It's never really just between the two of them and sort of pure romance or anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, no, that that is interesting. You're right. Um, I was just going to say, too, about sort of the whole the insights that we get the the at least the you're completely mad i can see why she likes you it's is interesting that she's focusing there on how the doctor's acting right so it it's yeah. despite the changes in the way you've looked so we already i mean obviously oh, yeah. you, you know obviously based on the the christmas special we already know that rose is and the fact that she's with him now <laughs> we know that mm -hmm. rose is still willing to go with him but we didn't necessarily know how or if that relationship would change, but at least now we still know there's an attraction there. And, you know, again, it's not based on the way he looks or whatever. It's based on his no. will willingness to go out and yeah. do these explorations. And, and I mean, I think by the end of the Christmas special, we could have picked up on that, but it's more explicit now. It's, it's, yeah. you know, we, we, we know a little better Rose's motivations here, you know, um, yeah. At least, at least with that yeah. part of it. Now the foxy, you know, the foxy part, <laughs> you know, there, there's okay. So that, maybe that, there, maybe there is a little bit about looks too, but <laughs> that might be part of it too. But I think, yeah, I think it's a little bit, I think it is a little bit of both because I mean, the looks may have changed a little bit. Um, like the foxiness may have to do with this new regeneration, but I think even at the end of the last season, like so much of the last season, we talked about how does does the, you know, it was the Dalek saying the woman that you love and, and it was the doctor wanting to dance and all these things. It was always, you got more of a one-sided that in terms of like romantic interest, you know, that Rose didn't see the doctor as a man. But even before the regeneration happened, I think towards the end of the season, you get more of that mutual sort of affection and attraction coming out. Like, it wasn't necessarily that strongly stated, but I think her sort of devotion to him at the end in Parting of the Ways when she's so devastated to be sent home and desperate to get back and I want you safe, my doctor, all that stuff. Like, I think that's her, you know, that's that's this too, you know? So I don't think it's like she suddenly fell in love with him when he regenerated. I think that was no. building. You know, yeah. like oh, that no, was, absolutely. that's been building the whole time. Well, no. And that's what I think is the, the, um, 
the continuity there. It's not about what the doctor looks like or about whatever. Yeah. It's it's about his attitude, his, his and, attitude, and yeah, the willingness to go out and, and to like jump down an elevator shaft and <laughs> yeah, and invite her along. Yeah, even though it's not Rose at that point, it's Cassandra. Right, right, and that Cassandra kind of likes it too. Like she has to admit, I can see why she likes it. Like that's mm-hmm. you know that even Cassandra kind of gets a kick out of this way of living and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the doctor, <laughs> speaking of the doctor, mm-hmm. um, and, and all of these sort of connections here, the, uh, we get, we get sort of the reassertiveness. So we talked about again in the Christmas special, how he's not, in it for most of the episode. Like, I mean, yeah. he's, he's there, but you know, doesn't wake up till the end. And, and there's the question of what kind of doctor am I? What kind, you know, what kind of man am I? Or, you know, what kind of person am I? Um, and all of that, but we, we get some idea, better idea here. Um, yeah. So, so what do you think? He, he, what he, kind of guy is he? He's the doctor. <laughs> Duh. He's no. always a doctor. <laughs> he's always the doctor. And no. it's amazing how they can be different. And still all be the same. Yeah. Um, so we see a couple of things. I think one, we, we still get the same sense of compassion that he has mm-hmm. for um, the diseased humans or whatever we call them. Um, and there's that yeah. when he's when he's just like, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about yeah. what happened to you. You know, um, don't I'm not going to touch you, but I'm sorry yeah. that it happened. Um, yeah. Uh, he also has the same sort of, um, assertiveness, uh, the, not, I don't know if arrogance, but confidence, I guess I would Uh say, you know, I'm, I'm the doctor. If you don't like it, if you want to take it to a higher authority, there isn't one. It stops with (laughs) me. And I suppose there is a sort of arrogance there, but it's a little bit of cockiness. Yeah. Like it it's but he can back it up yeah you know, like that's, sure he can, yeah. that's the thing like it's it's yeah. not it's not an undue arrogance for no yes yeah. it you know i mean and and he's right i mean he is the one who goes around fixing things and and he really, really is that, that that's where that that godlikeness comes into it you know like there is an element of him being this sort of authority figure yeah yeah, so I mean, there's definitely, which you know, just the name, the doctor itself, sort of implies. I mean, you know, people yeah. trust, or for the most part, trust what doctors tell them. They're they're, you know, they are authority figures. They're people who know things. They're mm-hmm. the ones who can fix you and make you better. And um, and and his role in this episode is one of a healer. Yeah, specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> although the sisters of plenitude take umbrage with that um, yeah i think you'll find that we're the doctors here uh although well they did they did create the cure they're just not distributing it well and i mean there's the whole they clearly haven't taken the hippocratic oath no uh, you know the do no harm that's for sure um so the hypocritical oath perhaps yeah the uh <laughs> yeah so so I would say those are the two big things, the empathy and the confidence. Although 
I say the confidence, but then again, that might actually be somewhat of a contrast with the other doctor. He he did things confidently, but he we got the sense that he didn't always think they would necessarily work, or he didn't yeah. know if they would work. Oh, oh, I'm glad that worked. That was would have been a horrible last words. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah, yeah I, I think I'm with you on that. I didn't get the same sense here in this particular episode. Now I I, I realized I've only seen the guy for like one and one thirds of an episode here. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe maybe we'll get more of a sense later. Maybe he's no, more but I in think, his element here. I think the I think the ninth doctor was a little bit more self deprecating. Mm. Um like more quick to undercut his own he had authority, but he'd also undercut it a little bit. But he would do it with Rose or with like the people yeah, he yeah, was close not to against, not... not against the Dalek or something. Right, but like right, yeah, right, right. yeah. Yeah. He he had a good front, at least. Yeah. Um, with this doctor, at least at this point, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't. I don't get the feeling that he has a front like that. Like, he seems pretty confident, and he seems like he believes he's, you know, capable of, you know, doing what he says. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. when he gets to that point, you know, yeah. there is no higher authority. Like, yeah, it stops here, bud. It's, yeah. It's not. It's not going any further. Yeah. Um. And, and interesting too yeah, that you. that he picked up on the change in Rose, yeah, but pretty not, quickly, but not at source, um, right? Yeah, he, no, because he thinks it's the sisters who did something, and it's he, and he picks up on it because of her attitude, not not just obviously she's talking funny or whatever, and she kind of like that's superficial, but it's it's the attitude that she has, you know, because Rose would care. Basically, yeah, is what he yeah. Says. Well, it's like a succession of things because first it's the voice, and then it's the fact that she kisses him out of nowhere. So that's kind of out of character. Then right. he's noticing, he's kind of watching. Her <laughs> it's out of character, face. but he says, "Oh, I still got it." <laughs> like, yeah. like it's out of character, he's, but he, it's like I'm not it, complaining. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's totally believable because you yeah. know I am, you know, attractive and you know, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. So, and then. And then right after that, they're looking for like something in the 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 map or the blueprint or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and he's kind of looking at her weird. She's saying, "We'll do this," and he's like, "Oh yeah, of course." Sorry. Right, right, like, right. She comes up does, with a solution. Like, since when does Rose know anything about yeah. anything more than he does? <laughs> yeah, well, like more about like technology and alien futuristic. Yeah, she doesn't. You know. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw in, in the Christmas special where, yeah. you know, you have your borrowed words, you know, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. she, she just, she, you're just saying yeah. words now. They don't mean anything. Yeah. Um, so I think at that point he knows that he's kind of looking at her, but he's not going to like, he'll just go along with it. And then the, the big thing, like you said, is that she shows no. Well, yeah. Cause he then doesn't... it could have just, it could have just still been her, but, but maybe something weird going on with her you know whereas i feel like by the time it gets to the fact that she doesn't have any that would be a motorcycle <laughs> sorry about that wow the fact, that was loud that was loud. um sounds like someone just crashed out there um all right yeah what was I saying? well by the time it gets to her not showing the the empathy for the people then he's sure it's like not even her it's like not even her with like super intelligence it's just not her anymore right right well and that's that's the thing like he doesn't confront her 
Because, right. well, I mean, he probably knows it's useless. If it's not Rose, then what's the point in confronting her directly? Yeah, but also, and he has no reason to assume that there's anyone else here. It, it must be. And if the nuns are willing to do this to the people, what wouldn't they be willing to do to anybody? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's... And anyway, so yeah, he does pick up on that, which is sort of an interesting parallel, you know, if we know that Rose is attuned to the way the doctor acts, regardless of what she what he looks like, then yeah. you know, it's it's the same sort of thing right back. There's there's a um a, a, a reciprocity or or something there, you know, where she looks the same but she's acting different. So like it's clearly not Rose. Yeah. Um which brings into question of what is a person like what is an individual and and you know how it, is it what they look like or is it how they act and 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 mm-hmm. um i'm sure we'll have other opportunities to explore <laughs> those questions um yeah and they yeah and it's totally that they are very in sync at this point that they know each other very well and um yeah, as soon as something changes, the other one is right on top of it. Like, what's going on? So, then we... Well, I guess, and sort of jumping off of the idea of, like, what is a person, or what is an individual, we go to, like, well, what is a person at all? And and you get the whole... Again, I'm not sure. Who's the monster of the week here? I guess it's the Sisters of Plenitude. But, like... At the same time, it's also the unwilling monsters of the people or creatures yeah. that they have trapped who are diseased and come out all embroiled yeah. and zombie-like. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're sort of the physical monsters, but... But again, it's the it's but, the but they're asking, doing... They're asking for help. I mean, they're mad at the sisters, obviously, but in... And I noticed that when they are coming at the other people, they're asking for help. They're not attacking mm-hmm. so much as just reaching out for someone yeah. to cure them or or whatever. Right. Um, which the doctor does. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, and you get this whole repeated theme of... You know, and it's like to go back to Cassandra and Chip for a second. Like Chip, like the flesh is quote not a real person. He's specially grown. You know, these are like clone synthetic people, not real life forms. But that seems to not be the case. They're more than just mm. fleshy robots. They have you know autonomy and everything. And and it's funny that Cassandra says he's not even a proper life form. And it's like, okay, that from the piece of skin, which is hanging on the wall, like again, like in the end of the world, you're getting this, this bigoted approach that she doesn't see the hypocrisy of what she's saying. Just when she said, or just like when she said that, you know, she's the only human, the rest of them are aliens and freaks and everything, you know, and there's no self-awareness there of, you know what she's become Mm -hmm. but i mean certainly with chip we get the sense of his devotion and his his (laughs) willingness to serve (laughs) it's a little bit so he seems i mean he 
may just be enslaved to her, but he seems to have a sense of identity and character and everything. Yeah, creepy as it may be. Yeah, he is a character, that's for sure. <laughs> um, well, oh, yeah, I don't I mean, yeah, Chip's a devotee, but I don't know, like, he was cloned. <laughs> uh-huh. So... He was cloned like the diseased people were cloned. And obviously we're meant by the end to sort of see them as a group of individuals. Like they're not, you know, it's not just the flesh or, you yeah. know, whatever. Like they're there. And I think it, it's interesting because like, I think, I think you're right to say that Chip has his own sort of personality and his willingness, but it is kind of weird because that devotion is to give up his individuality. His individuality, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Which that... seems to be, like, the doctor's, uh, you know, his um, response to, you know, her saying, oh, I have a volunteer, and he says, don't. He has a life of his own. Like, you know, his his purpose isn't to serve you. But, of course, like, any completely whipped slave chips. <laughs> He's more than happy. To do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, but and, that is his whole purpose. And the thing is, again, because he was cloned, like, was he cloned for that purpose? Right. I mean, you know, I mean, not that I'm saying that, like, just because someone says that's what you have to do, that that's necessarily what you have to do. But I'm saying, like, from his perspective, he seems to Want have to drunk that. the yeah. Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, he's he's right there. He's saying, yep, I am... Yeah, I am about serving you, and that's why I'm here, and use me. And, well, hey, I'm dying anyway, so you might as well, <laughs> you know, like, a little too perfect, perhaps, but but yeah. interesting nonetheless. Um, but, I, of course, it, it sets up the whole uh, circular aspect of the episode to la- allow Cassandra to be the one to go back. And tell herself that she's beautiful. <laughs> um, which which is narcissistic, of course. Yeah, sure. But it's coming from there's a wistfulness there, of course. Oh, because absolutely. I mean she's yeah. you know, she's she's dying and she knows she's never gonna look like she did again. Um and I think along with that. You do, I think there is a real change of heart, so to speak. Um, well, just the her- fact that she decides that you have the time to die is no longer the thing to be avoided at all costs. That there may be, even, there right. may be something good and right about that. Yeah. Which goes- and it's kind of like, again, it's like the end of the world. I mean, now it's an, it's an, because that ended. It's an echo, but it's also a contrast because that episode ended with the doctor saying everything has its time and everything dies. And then Cassandra explodes (laughs) like all over the place. Like that was his. Before they realized they had a, you know, some cells from her butt. You have to like, yeah. yeah, And apparently you have to like destroy her brain meat in order to completely. But, But that was his execution of justice, you know, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas 
This time, the message is the same. It's still everything has its time and everything dies. But Cassandra's attitude to that has changed because she's probably sick and tired of all the work it takes, you know, to live yeah. these days. And then, you know, and, you know, maybe in response to that, but the doctor's also, the doctor's attitude has changed too, that it's not so much about letting her just expire and you've done horrible things. So, you know, I'm not going to save you this time. He does show a little bit more compassion and give, you know, weird as it may be, gives her what, she wants and what is comforting which is but only, to go back and see herself as she was only after she made the choice that yeah. she wouldn't you know and that's she, why i mean it may be more in response to her then. right 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 like right. i i don't say that to mean that like if she was still a homicidal lunatic i'm sure he would still stop her well you yeah know? but because i mean she could have been man she could have created some weird time recursive you know, uh, 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 paradox where she like goes into herself as a young person yeah, seriously. and like, like just, you know, relived oh, her life. Just over think about over that. Again. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. the iteration of that. Oh man. No, man, that would be weird, but she that doesn't, even she be doesn't. Scarier. No, but um, it ends. It's very sad at the end, I think, because it is a little, it is narcissistic, but that makes it sad. Like the fact that it's a little pathetic that she's the only one that told her she was beautiful, but also the last man. Yeah. She's the last, right. The last one, but also like nobody else really cares that, you know, that this person is here and saying kind things and then dying. Like she's the only one showing any compassion for chip, you know, yeah. I mean, she doesn't know it's herself in the future, right? But of course. There's this kind of circular thing, and it kind of reflects her own narcissism, the way she's lived her life, which is yeah. that it is time to die, and nobody really cares, except maybe the Doctor and Rose are a little sorry for her, and they kind of help her a bit and watch her, you know, from afar, but she sort of ends up by herself. Mm. Um, so kind of a bummer but you kind of got the sense that that's sort of the hole that she dug for herself yeah. over all the years yeah well and she does come to a sort of peace because you know i think along with that is that she she has to be realizing i guess we don't know she doesn't say explicitly but she has to be realizing yeah like you said it is kind of sad that she's the only one telling herself how beautiful she is and she has to say it a couple times before her former self, her, young, listens, her younger yeah. self, you know, even believes it at all. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not just skin deep, so to speak. Like the, the actual, you know, oh, you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, yeah. you know, it's not yeah, like. Thank you. Straight yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's no, no, really. You are like it's it's that repetition that kind of has to get below the surface. Um, yeah. To let her believe it. And then, again, like, you wonder if any of the other times before that, how have people told her she was beautiful? Yeah. You know? And, I mean, she says the last time, so the presumption is that there were times before that right, where she yeah. had been told that before. But had she ever truly believed it? Um, and then, to throw the kicker in there, 
is it because it's so heartfelt and you know deep is that what drives her to want to retain herself yeah. her body yeah. you know throughout the ages you know maybe yeah maybe she it says, is like after that it became such hard work right you know right. like yeah like is that the event is is the very like had she never gone back to tell herself that she was so beautiful right ha- would she have never become obsessed with how she looked and yep. you know with being the last pure human and stuff so there's there's a number of interesting right. possibilities the, kind of, the, there. the time loop starts going where there's no beginning and no end it sort of is just yeah. a circle yeah so um interesting episode i'm Assuming that this is the last time we'll see Cassandra, though, I should this learn is perhaps the last time not... that we will see Cassandra. I promise. Um, so I do have to say, even though we called this episode the annoying ones, and yes, it was indirect reference to Cassandra, <laughs> um, partly indirect reference to Cassandra. Uh, I do have to say that I found her less annoying by the end. Good, because she does, you know, choose to no longer change exist. a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, in that too, you know, but. Also, because she's dead. Um, sorry, <laughs> she's that's, less annoying. She's that's less like annoying really, when she's dead. Yeah, that's really bad. And um, we did get less of the skin this time. It was more her flitting in and out between all the other characters right, and stuff. Right. Right. Um, so. Okay. Speaking Buffy of, time. yeah. Speaking of flitting in and out, which has nothing <laughs> to do with Buffy, um, let's talk about Buffy. All right. And you get um, to start. I get to start with a little production note um, because I noticed that this episode was written by David Greenwald. Um, yes. And I think that's really important because he also wrote Angel. And yep. just as in some ways uh, New Earth is an echo of the end of the world, I think this episode is kind of an echo of Angel. You know, that we're getting um, sort of a mythological in the sense that I feel like we're being introduced to an important character. Um, in and, Spike? In Spike. Yes. Um, and, and not just that, but an important vampire character and a brooding anti-hero vampire as well. So there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of differences there, but also um, I think there's enough um, similarity that you can kind of see you know, David Greenwald being good at certain things or being the guy who does certain types of things. And I know you said he is the one who went on to co-create Angel and everything. So maybe these, these vampire characters are sort of his sort of niche or whatever as a writer. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, so one Spike has a name, so, you know, he's probably going to be a little important. Yeah. Um, but and 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 I mean and not like Colin the vampire like it's it's a <laughs> right. it's a cool name like Spike no, he, and he Spike has a name Angel yeah and a backstory like we find yeah. out that he's oh he's you know called Spike because he used to torture people with railroad yeah. spikes like you know and before that he was William the Bloody yeah. like I mean you know <laughs> let's this is this is a hardcore yeah, yeah. so I. I would say I can say without spoiling anything, I think that you are right to assume that Spike is a somewhat significant character um, from this point forward. Um, And I mean, if you don't know from the second that you see him, I mean, he crashes into the, you know, freaking Sunnydale sign and he gets out. He just has that, you know, 
you almost hear the music, you know, the like bad to the bone playing in the background yeah. or something. You know what I mean? No, like it's he's he's channeling this punk British like Billy Idol or oh, Sex yeah. Pistols. And, like yeah. And Billy Idol is totally the the motif the inspiration that, that yeah. we're supposed to think of here. So yeah. yes. Absolutely. Um <laughs> So, yes. So go ahead. Yep. And and I think you're right with David Greenwald, you know, being part of this. I mean, he's yeah, he wrote Angel. He went on to co-create the show Angel. Um, This is this is definitely a big uh, momentous episode as far as that sort of stuff goes. Yeah. Um, Also, I just since we're on production notes, the title of the episode School Hard, there may be a few allusions to the movie Die Hard. (laughs) Yeah. In in this, uh, hmm, you know, going around taking out the vampires one by one, you know, and, yeah. and climbing through the climbing ceiling. Climbing through the air and ducts, yeah. I think the only thing we don't get is, you know, the walking in bare feet on glass. Yeah. But, you know, and, and you know, sort of the tagline at the end. But, um, <laughs> yippee-ki-yay. Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, other than that, though, yes, there's there's uh, some pretty good allusions here to yeah, that movie, yeah. and, and 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 intentionally so from the title, and and uh, other yeah, sources I mean, have have I, confirmed. I'm a little that. just for uh, the kind of uh, echo sort of sake, uh, the neatness. I'm a little sorry it wasn't called Spike, just so that we have Angel and Spike as. But but I do like the Die Hard references i think that's very clever yeah yeah. um so so to to talk about spike i mean the whole the whole episode is really and he's like the embodiment of it the whole episode is really about this sort of what you know what adults view and what a lot of people view as this kind of reckless teenage Mm thrill-seeking lifestyle um and yeah, and Spike is not exactly a teenager. I mean, he's a two hundred year old vampire, but he's the bad boy from the other side of the tracks. And he yeah. cruises in in his sports car and smoking and bleached hair, and is there to just like completely shake things up. Yeah. Um, well, so and like, and, and so you get the you you get the sort of reference there from when Sheila runs out to meat pie a guy named meat pie and and, and that makes me think a hot pie from <laughs> game of thrones <laughs> that's funny and and uh what's uh is it i can't remember if xander or willow who says oh that that guy with her he's the guy she can bring home to mother yeah right? yeah yeah, right Where, yeah. whereas you know spike is like you can't the, bring the one you home. can't yeah you can't yeah. bring him home he's the guy yeah. you can't bring home. no um, um and and xander says like makes the ultimate jinx of like as long as nothing bad happens you know which of course course. you're guaranteed to something bad happen (laughs) and spike is the something bad right he's the thing that happens to the school yes um so yeah Uh, and i think it's cool to um as another contrast with angel um they're both they're both byronic but in different ways you know they kind of there's kind of two streams of Byronic hero and they kind of differ from each other. Whereas hmm. Angel to me seems like the the brooding, tortured, sensitive type. Like I think of like Rochester from Jane Eyre. Like he's like, you know, 
tortured by the weight of his own guilt and all these kinds of very romantic ideals and everything. Whereas Spike to me is more the, the Byron that the, the line about Byron is mad, bad and dangerous to know. Like he's the, the playboy Byron and the, and the violent and unpredictable kind of, you know, side to that coin. More like a Heathcliff if we're going to keep going with the Gothic. We're going to have, we're going to have to talk about, about these you, uh you don't agree the the bronte references here oh I, i'm not saying i don't agree i just don't like the bronte references but anyway well i'm just <laughs> using them as examples like if rochester and heathcliff are both byronic but they're very different from each other and i think that angel and spike are both bad boys yeah but in different ways you know angel is i guess he is the bad boy that you could bring home to mom that he is bad but he's aware of his own badness and he's very conflicted and tortured about it and all these you know there's like you know he he's separates himself from humans and he lives on bagged blood and he won't see buffy <laughs> because it's too dangerous and all these things whereas spike embraces his own badness and oh, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know and is living that to the fullest so it's kind of an interesting, if this episode is about bad boys, it's kind of an interesting contrast to have these different types of bad boys. Just as you have Buffy and Sheila, who are both <laughs> yeah. sort of bad girls, but again, in very different ways. I mean, Buffy is someone who does cause trouble, but through no intention of her own. You know, that she's someone <laughs> yes. who... Yes. Disaster follows her because of who she is, and she's always trying to do the right thing and protect people. Um, whereas Sheila is, again, someone who embraces a sort of hedonistic lifestyle and uh, and enjoys, you know, going out with these, you know, bad guys, and that she's kind of turned on by the fact that spike took out these other guys that she was with like that's like attractive to her and everything she beat up the teacher with the trowel and all this stuff so they were bad. pruning shears pruning shears and so yeah bad in a different way than buffy yeah yeah no i i think you're right i think you're absolutely right to pick up they're not quite foils but definitely um meant to be contrasted with each other um and I would say we may want to continue looking at those contrasts between Spike and Angel, particularly um, not so much Buffy and Sheila, because, you know, <laughs> we're not going to really see Sheila again. Okay. <laughs> Didn't um, or, to. or if or actually, I mean, I guess I don't. You're right. she, Buffy doesn't kill her, right? No. So she, no, like, she no, runs but away. But I mean, I, she's I don't important. remember her being a huge um aspect beyond this spike and and angel though definitely um we get and of course we get the moment where they're both hovering over xander's neck you know mm -hmm. getting ready to feed and of course we know well we strongly suspect We're angel's sure still good know, at yeah. this point you know um yeah and 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 all of that um so yeah yeah um so to keep talking about spike because i yeah, Spike is great. The... So when he says, am I reading too much into this? When he gets there and says, home sweet home, is that a reference to the Hellmouth? 
or has he been to the school before or are we meant to see that as significant or is that just like a throwaway? Um, so we find out that they came to the Hellmouth for Drusilla. Yes. Um, right. For her, whatever's going on with her health. Right. Right. And so I think we're supposed to take it as like, this is their new home for the okay. time being. Like Hellmouth is home. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's meant to be a bit ironic because I think, Guys like Spike don't have homes. <laughs> you sure, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he's coming there. He's like, home sweet home. Like, this is home, but it's home for now. It's not yeah. like he's not returning, you know, yeah. okay. because he grew up here. I mean, clearly he's not American. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, the, the, I think we're supposed to take that a bit ironically. It's not a, yeah, it's not a return or whatever. And definitely being drawn to the Hellmouth is why that. Yeah, okay. And and he finds out about the Slayer, but, like, he's not, like, that's just kind of, like, to pass the time. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not, it's not like, they're not even in town for the Slayer. It's, it's no. for Drusilla. Um, no, so that she but, can get better. but he can't resist yeah. oh, getting I, involved as soon as he gets there, yeah. I just couldn't wait, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's totally impulsive, totally, um impatient <laughs> yeah yeah yep. um and and so we learn a few things obviously we learn from um we talked about the names uh, where he gets the name spike and mm-hmm. uh, his prior name william the bloody uh he is not as old as angel and of course we find out that angel is his sire right which um, means he turns him right like he yeah. well we'll we'll find more about Angel and Spike and their relationship throughout the series, perhaps. But um, okay. I don't. I don't want to get into too much, just other than what they've actually said there. But yes, yeah, okay. si- sire is. I wasn't sure. Have we heard that term before in the show? <sighs> I don't think it has been brought up. Okay. Before now, because I didn't I'm... know if that was just the word for when for whoever turned you into a vampire. Well, but then I didn't know if I'm just assuming, and maybe we're going to find out did more we about get, that later. Did we get that with Darla? We may have, and that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, um, I don't. I mean, we we know that Darla's the one who turned to Angel. Yes, we do know that. And so, so they may have I used it in that context. I don't remember if they used the term sire or not at there. But yes, I don't either. You're. you're I, I, mean, I thought maybe they did, but but I could just be assuming that. Yeah, I and you know what? I didn't I didn't look that up before we started talking about it, so I I can't 100 okay. percent say sure that we've used that term. But yes, you're. That is the implication. Is yeah. that it's it's more than just a oh I knew you back when you know it's yeah. more than we went to vampire school together right and like, he and he clearly says like you were my mentor my Yoda. you were my Yoda. So, yeah, yeah so it's you know so it's whatever whatever it may have been we at least know the relationship was one of mentor and mm-hmm. um protege right yep um. So yeah, so impulsive, impatient. He's somewhat the way he is because of Angel, um, mm-hmm. which you know could potentially add to the broodingness and the feelings of responsibility for the things that he's done in the past. Um, yeah. And <laughs> 
we know that even like for his own good, he's not like able to really be sincerely penitent <laughs> or, or, uh, 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 really bow down. Like he's, he's an individualist all the way, right? Like he's there for yeah. himself and, and what he wants to do. Um, I just love that when he's like bowing before the anointed one, you know, I was rash and if I had to do it all over again, uh, who am I kidding? I'd do it exactly the same way. Yeah. yeah uh, but, but he's not there just for himself because he's there for Drusilla. Okay. You know, so, well, and you've hit on a great point. And so as soon as you get this, um, you know, hardcore individualist who no one's going to tell him what to do. Then you get, you know, two minutes later, you know, you've hardly even known him for that long before you get Drusilla and his face completely, I mean, literally changes. Like mm-hmm. he's yes. got the vampire face, whatever you call it. And then... <laughs> He turns around and looks at her and it becomes human again. Like, like instantly, like he doesn't even have any control over it. It just sort of happens. So that's interesting. Um, And I kind of like their really, really creepy relationship. Like I'm kind (laughs) of interested to see where that goes because she is really, really weird. Yeah. Um, So she's really weird and that's interesting. And then the fact that, from him, who does um, conform to this type of hard, you know, self-interested kind of guy. You've got this very tender devotion that he shows towards her. So he's kind of playing against type a little bit and doing, you know, acting in a way that you don't expect him to. Like, that surprised me. Like, Like, I know... Sort of like you know about the Daleks. Like, I know Spike just from Osmosis, right? Like, yeah. I know... It's hard I, to have one heard the, about Buffy no, and Angel without No, he's just one of the, one of the iconic characters. Yeah. I know what he looks like. I had an idea of what he was going to be. But, um, but I didn't expect that relationship with Drusilla. And not, okay. just because, not just because I didn't know about it, but because mm-hmm. from what I know of the character... I don't, and just sort of his, him as an icon, like, and with a reputation, I don't necessarily expect that to be a side that he has, at least not right away. Mm. I certainly wasn't expecting that, you know, you get Spike and along with him, you get whatever it is that Drusilla is. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and so that's cool. It kind of adds a really interesting layer to him. He's not just what you expect him to be. Yeah, Drusilla is weird and creepy, definitely. She is. Um, and she's talks, afraid her hair's going to fall out. And... Talks, she talks in riddles, you know. Yeah. Um, she is <laughs> the fiver of, you know, the, yeah. the, the the vampire cadre there. Um, I like it. I like it. No, yeah, she talks in riddles. Everything I put into the ground withers and dies. What does yeah. that mean? Like, yeah. you know, the, these kind of things. I, she's talking about the Slayer. I, I can't see her, the Slayer. I can't see. Yeah. It's dark where she is. Like, is she prophetic or clairvoyant yeah. or, yeah. you know, there's something there's something there going on inside her she's head. She's tuned into a different frequency. And... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yeah, and like we've mentioned, she's, you know, she's at the Hellmouth for a sort of, convalescence um 
you know, we don't know exactly what happened in Prague. <laughs> Something, yeah. there was an idiot mob there and she nearly died. And, yeah. and now she's, you know, there to, to kind of regain her strength. And But in, she's also, it also seems that she's, it's not even just like, oh, they had a bad experience and they've come here. It's like, she's sick. Like there's right. something not right with her. I mean, mentally, she's not right. You know, but... uh but like physically too, like he says, you know, she, I mean, she, she looks even more sort of sickly and pale than the other vampires. And he says like, you need to eat something. <laughs> right, and right, right. She's it's, worried. She says. It's like if it was a cup of soup instead of you know, yeah. a person, it would <laughs> be totally the normal. Sheila like... is like the equivalent of, yeah, like chicken noodle soup. And, yeah. um, and she's, she says, sometimes I think my hair will fall out and I'll be bald and like. Like, whether that is literally what she means, I don't know. I mean, that could be, like you said, like another riddle. But it also is contributing to this idea of, like, she's... Right, yeah, you're thinking of, like, she's cancer well. or yeah, some yeah. kind of... Yeah, like, yeah, there's something going on here physically. Yeah. Um, yeah, physically as well as mentally. we don't know. I mean, maybe that's... Yeah, maybe the two are tied together. Maybe they're not. We don't, we don't know at this point. Yeah. Um... um which and and those things kind of do go together, don't they? Traditionally, like kind of a like like a like a foresight is often related to like some sort of physical handicap. Like, I mean, Fiverr's a good example. Like, you know, he has all these intuitive powers, but he's also physically small and meek and isn't one of the strongest. Or you get you know, the blind prophets from Greek mythology right, and everything. Right. Like right. a Teresius, lot of these, yeah. yeah, a lot of these prophet and seer characters often have some sort of a physical disability or handicap as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, we'll find out more <laughs> perhaps. And, she, and she, I mean, she's interesting too, because I mean, she seems very like, very passive in some ways like she's like the one who needs to be taken care of and she's weak Mm. and uh and in her own world and playing with her dolls and all these things but then she's also the one saying killer spike killer for me yeah um and and has no trouble you know spike doesn't have to bite sheila for her she can do that herself so she seems kind of passive and weak on one hand, but she's equally sort of vicious on the other hand. Yeah. It's, there's certainly a partnership going on there. Um, it's not, it's not like Bonnie and Clyde or what you sort of think of Bonnie and Clyde where like, they're both kind of jumping out of the car and robbing the bank together, but she's pulling spike strings to some degree. It seems like, you know, and it, it's, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a viciousness to her and and you have the feeling like if she could either we don't know necessarily if it's because of the mental or because of the physical, maybe both, whatever's going on with her, but you do get the sense that she would be right there with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if she could, but but in lieu of that, she's she's egging him on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um and you almost wonder cuz like you know, she says, oh, you should be nice and go play with the boys while they're, you know, doing their little vampire berserker thing before the night of St. Vigius. Yeah. Um, 
But in in telling him that, you almost wonder, is she saying like like is she almost telling him to No, you know what? They shouldn't be doing that. Like they need to be helping you go take care of the slayer now. Like is she the one who prompts right. him to gather them all together and go off? Because he's supposed to be going up there to make nice with them. He ends up taking them away and, you know, Right. Getting a bunch of them killed. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is what they end up being ticked off about. But, um, you know, is that, was that her, was she really saying, you know, be nice and do what they're doing? Or was it more like go upstairs and take control and. Right. More manipulative. Yeah. Um, which I don't know that we have a necessarily a good answer to that, but she doesn't seem upset by the outcome. So, you know, yeah. is that just because she's okay with whatever happened or is it because he ended up doing what she really wanted him to do and, mm -hmm. and, and that he knew how to read what she wanted him to do. Yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. Um, there, I, I like them as a, as a, as a couple. <laughs> they are definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. So we talked about Spike and Drusilla and I guess, we should mention a bit, I mean, we already talked a little bit about Angel and sort of the relationship there, but um, I don't know. Is there anything beyond that um, that you want to talk about with Angel? I feel like it's otherwise um, we'll move on to like the human characters. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, no, okay. I mean, I think the contrast to Angel the, what we learn a little bit more about his backstory and that the fact that, yeah, we do get the confirmation that, you know, he doesn't seem too worried of what would have happened if Xander had gotten hurt, but <laughs> he's not actively trying to get him killed. Like, we, we get a confirmation again yeah. that he really is on the, the... He's with the good guys. and Yeah. Well, um, and, I mean... Xander you know, may be a... a a uh, piece of collateral damage that he's willing to sustain, but uh, but he's you know he's a good guy. And we do have to remember that Xander's the one who has told Angel multiple times how much he dislikes him and think, yeah. and would kill him if yep. he had the opportunity. Yep. Um, yep. Feelings mutual. So yeah, at least at this point, we know that Angel is not overly taken with Xander either. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I guess the only other thing to mention is obviously the, you know, continued sort of stop and go between Angel and Buffy. The, oh, mm -hmm. I thought you were going to be at the Browns. Oh, I thought you were going to be at the Browns. Oh, well, I didn't know if you were, so I didn't go. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's that. Yeah. So, on to, I think, I think we need to talk about Joyce a little bit okay. because she kind of, she kind of comes out badass in this episode. She does. Uh, thank uh, God, because she was not doing herself any favors with that pep talk earlier, but she yeah. does redeem herself and <laughs> she totally redeems herself. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Oh my gosh. When they're sitting there on Buffy's bed. And and you get you get the you know the eye roll from Buffy like oh this again yeah. you know the uh, 
you know, I don't want to be disappointed in you again. And that's it's just... like the most crushing thing a parent can say. Yeah. It's like, I mean, come on. Like, really? Yeah. Like, do you have to say that to her? Yeah. Even if that's, you know, honest. Like, yeah. you could have toned it down a little there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I think, you know, throughout, I mean, and not that we didn't know this before about Joyce, that there she comes off very very uh self-centered like i don't want to have to move i don't have to get another job again i don't want to have to be disappointed in you again but we do see that really she's concerned about buffy like that's that's what it boils down to you know um when they're when they're trapped in the room and you know buffy's like i'm gonna go out and she's like you know what i i know you've been accused of fighting but these guys are serious like she's really trying to protect her daughter at that point like she's well and and I think even more than that, because I would assume I would I would expect her to care what happens to Buffy. Like even if oh, she yeah. even if she was disappointed in Buffy, you would still think she cares about her physical sort of well being. But I think like even stronger than that is the fact that she says that she doesn't she seems to say that she doesn't trust Buffy. She feels like she's gonna be disappointed. But then when it comes down to it, she does sort of trust her implicitly you know like as soon as it starts to get hairy and Buffy tells them what to do I mean she tries to hold her back to protect her but Buffy says like don't worry about me trust me I'm I know what I'm doing and you need to do this she listens to her Mm -hmm. so she seems to have like maybe more than she realizes she seems to have a, a level of trust in what Buffy says and Buffy speaks it with authority and she listens. Right, right. Well, and, and, and again, and that's what I was going to say, you know, like that's she's wh- defending Buffy saying we need to like, you know, why would she feel like Buffy knows what she's talking about more than Snyder, except that she does trust her and believe in her. Yeah. And, and I think, and, and it's interesting cause I think we're seeing in Buffy similar to what we're saying about the doctor before is that you're, you know, she has that confidence of, I know what I'm doing, you know, just let me do what I need to do and then I'll take care of you. You know, she, so, so I think you're right. I think Joyce trusts her, but I think it's also, I think it's also Buffy's confidence that's coming out there, which, which you mentioned. So, I mean, I, I think it's the dual nature there is that when it comes down to it, you know, Joyce does want to believe in her kid. And also at that point, she's kind of seen, just a little bit what Snyder's like and, and maybe there's something going on there in her mind to say, okay, maybe the story isn't as black as what, and I don't need to take at face value everything that this guy says. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly only worried about himself and, you know, talking about these kids on PCP and, you know, all this stuff, like even if she doesn't verbalize it or consciously think of it, I'm sure, like, she's got to be thinking, like, okay, there's there's more to the story than just what Snyder has said, and, and maybe we need to see how this plays out. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when Spike is there with Buffy, you know, doing the monologuing thing, um, yeah. Joyce is able to knock him out with the axe. Although, why she uses the flat of... I guess... The flat I, of the axe, yeah. I guess we can just sort of assume that she did that intentionally. Like she's not going to intentionally kill someone who she thinks is a human. 
at this point. Yeah. I mean, because we still we're Split preserving the head open with a with the business end of an axe. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, cause yeah, I mean, that does seem a little <laughs> silly, but then I think about it, and it's like, well, I don't know that I could do that either. Like really chop into someone with an axe like you probably would just hit them with it yeah yeah and at this point she has her level of awareness is preserved right like she's not inducted yet in the way that like cordelia or someone else a few little teeny baby steps because she notices that their faces look weird Mm -hmm. but then nobody really they don't pursue that line of thought and if she notices it again with spike she doesn't say anything um right so either she's just ignoring that or else she believes what snyder said about pcp but um and then the other thing is i thought it was funny how uh like she's watching buffy through that hole in the door and it's like just big enough that she can see that buffy is sort of kicking butt and doing really well but not so much that she can really see what's going on. You right. know, like she doesn't that, see the staking. No, she doesn't see the staking. She doesn't get a real good look at them or whatever. It's she just has enough of a sense that Buffy's fighting people in the hallway. Exactly. So it kind of like you said, it preserves, you know. I think they give enough excuses in the story for why it is that she's not completely clued into what's going on. Well, and I think there's I think we're meant to think that there's a an, a certain amount of um, intentional uh, uh, deception on one's own part there. Like, I mean, who who really like PCP doesn't change the way your face looks? No, you know when not. you're or any kind of drug, you know, or whatever. So like, it might change the things that you do or whatever. It might explain like rage or something or i don't even know what pcp itself actually does but like you know again you get principal snyder saying oh it's pcp it's these kids on drugs and people just kind of accept and say okay okay it's like there's no critical thought really well again i mean that's a that's a point of continuity between buffy and doctor who is like why doesn't anyone notice vampires and aliens and everything and it's like like the doctor says because people are thick and they believe whatever answer they're spoon fed yeah. and they just ignore it you know if you stick a blue box there people walk right by you know so right. if someone you know if someone has a ha- an explanation handy then they'll go with that and like unless you really force them into the circle of knowledge right they're not gonna really get there on their own yeah um but i think you're right that that joyce does make at least a few baby steps because by the end of the episode she at least has seen more into she's seen enough into her daughter to realize that you know again things aren't as black and white and that maybe there's good reasons for why uh or at least plausible explanations <laughs> you know for why buffy is getting into these scrapes and yeah. some some people just have bad luck you know that may be <laughs> what she's really ultimately thinking but yeah. Um, you know, at least she does say, like, you know, I have a daughter who can take care of herself, who's brave, yeah. resourceful, thinks of others in a crisis. And no matter who you hang out with, what te- dumb teenage stuff you might need to do, I'm going to sleep better knowing that. So it, and that and that those are those character virtues are more important than the test. You right. Know, right. That right. Buffy says 
is what contrasted. What can you really tell about someone by a test? And it's like, not much. You know, you can test how well they test, but that doesn't tell you whether they're brave, whether they're kind and self-sacrificial, you know. So she's had demonstrated to her that she's raised a person with character, mm-hmm. you know, which is when your school's going to be attacked every other day, that's maybe the better virtue. And can you have too much character? <laughs> um, anyway. So, yeah, no, I think that's right. I think it's it's a great step, even if it's only a baby step for Joyce, to, to just kind of come to that understanding, um, yeah. kind of come to that awareness of, you know, what a little bit closer to what her daughter's truly like doesn't have any clue obviously about the vampires or you know the true stuff and and we get that you know oh well you should try having a job and then buffy's like well i do i have, have a one. job yeah. you know or wait till you have a job or something like that yeah it's like well i do have one she doesn't know anything about all of that yeah but but you're right like she said she she has an idea about the character um and 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 feels good about it at the end, at least for a week or so that, yeah. you know, she's going to give her. Um, yeah, no promises for beyond that. But <laughs> but as for having character and people who don't, um, <sighs> Schneider. And, and levels of awareness. Oh, yes. man, does he have a pretty high level of awareness. Yes, Schneider is. Little did we know. Um, been holding back on us he a little has. bit. He um, has. I mean, and we've known that he was sort of sinister, like that was sort of true in his first episode. Um, And even in this one, it starts with just his, uh, just the silhouette of his shadow on the wall. Like, and it's almost that Nosferatu, like creeping up the, you know, like he has kind of a ghoulish thing about him himself. Um, But then for most of the episode, it seems to be business as usual. You know, he's acting like a jerk and he knows Mm -hmm. everything and it's PCP and all this stuff. And then we get that little scene at the end where he and the cop uh, let us know that they know it's not PCP and that that's the usual cover story. And Our our levels of awareness theory is is getting... Smudgy. More complicated, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they do. They do. I mean, clearly they know something's going on. Now they don't. It's implied because they don't yeah. ever actually say anything about vampires. Or well, they, we don't know what it is they know. You right. know, their their knowledge may not be as wide as our knowledge. You know, right, it may be right. wider for all we know. We don't know exactly what. Right. Maybe they just know that. There's some sort of supernatural thing and don't know. That doesn't mean they know about the Hellmouth necessarily. Yeah. Or, but Or that, I mean, even from when we first saw Snyder in, um, you know, uh, oh, the episode with the, the, the demon hunter there. Uh, uh, puppet show? Yeah, puppet show. You know, or, you know, when, when we see him and he notes how there are more deaths and whatever. Um, that are going on. So, I mean, at this point... Right, it could just be a cover story. He, like, they don't know what the cause is, but they have covers ready to save face in front of, like, the media right. or whatever. So he's blaming it on PCP, but clearly he knows it's not... Like, he, yeah. he... Now we know he truly doesn't believe it's PCP. Yeah. 
but that explanation for some reason is to him and the cop a better solution than whatever the truth the, is whatever or, they think it might or be, whatever yeah. they think the truth actually is. So yeah. we, we, you're right. We don't know what they know. We don't know what they know that they think they know, but um, yeah, anyway. Um, but, yeah, but it is the, a revelation. And idea, but there is a note to it that it's more than just... There's a complicity um, there. Well, there's complicity, and it's 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 a little bit stronger than just, you know, we're not sure what the cause is, so we're going to cover it up to sort of keep everyone placated and everything. The way that um, he says... Uh, what did you have in mind? The truth implies <laughs> that the truth is something which is not to be it, shared or believed. Yeah, it, yeah. It implies that he knows, or at least thinks he knows the truth. Something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's not like you're right. It doesn't seem like they're questioning what the truth is. It's they're questioning whether people should know the truth. Should know it. Yeah, they're covering up something that they don't want people to know. Um, that's so. interesting also did not see that coming yeah yeah nice little nice little thrown and wrench in the loops there yeah yeah and the, the, it's the police that are in on it too it's not even right. throwing a wrench in the loops yeah it's I was gonna like, pass that by that made no sense at all but um, <laughs> it's not the um, the one other hint we got of that was the government when um the one with the invisible girl, like, you know, that they kind of, that this right. happens apparently on a regular basis and they come in and hush it up and everything. Um, but so here we have like the local police, like this right. is just, you know, Joe cop who, you know, or maybe he's like a sergeant or whatever, but like, yeah, it's I mean, not, he's, it's, he's not, a it's not like the black ops figure. coming yeah. in, you know, to like, it's not the FBI. This is like, the local authorities, mm -hmm. you know, so I guess maybe is related to what's going on at the Hellmouth specifically. Yeah, could be. We don't know. Not yet. Nope. Ah, uh, all right. Well, we are at our time. Um, was there any other insights or things you wanted to talk about? Oh, I did just want to mention real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, don't get too worked up about the night of Vigius, of Saint Vigius. There, no, um, I wasn't. I wasn't planning and, on it. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, we we brought it up at the very end here, but it, it I mean, it was it's <laughs> the fact that Spike totally ignores it. Like the more important aspect of the story is that it's supposed is that to be Spike ignores it. Yeah, it's just supposed to be this night when they have like their power or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Spike totally ignores it. Just like well, and we do need to talk about. The fact that he just totally killed the anointed one, like, yeah. Well, he calls him the annoying one, which is pretty wonderful. Um, and then, <laughs> like, burns him in the light. Um, and so, yeah, apparently, uh, apparently, not that hard to kill the anointed one, at least not for Spike. And he'd had enough, and so he did that, and that's it. Yeah. No, it it is it, and it's. I, I I mean, so clearly, I mean, we're contrasting this with the ritual and the, um, you know, pomp, so to speak, of the master who, yeah. who himself needed the anointed one, you know, to help him get out of the hellmouth and all of that. So, I mean, this is 
like this is kind of a big deal like this is you know the the vampire or creature or whatever the anointed one was we, we never really find out if he is an actual vampire or not i guess the implication is that he was given that he was you know destroyed by the Undead, sunlight yeah um yeah. but the uh yeah i mean this is it's a regime change definitely like we're, well and you and you expect him to be he just seems like the big bad of the season right the, like the it anointed seems one. like it's going to be, you know, he's going to be the new master. The season arc is going to be leading yeah. up to the climax of Buffy versus Anointed One. And like and, three episodes in, Spike's like, yeah, that's stupid. We're not doing yeah. that. Well, and even at the beginning of this episode, we're, we're led to believe that, right? The master is dead. Someone, someone has to take his place. You know, whoever yeah. kills the Slayer will be the next master, basically, is yeah. what, what they say. And... um by the end of the episode, I mean, Spike hasn't killed Buffy, um, no. but he's the new master, so to speak. Like he's he's at least in this town, he's come to claim it. He ran over the sign. He killed the anointed one. He's here to stay for a bit, and he's gonna. We we can assume that he's gonna keep taking shots until he hits Buffy and and kills her. Yeah. Um, and we know that he's killed two other slayers before, so it's it is possible. Like, you know, it's yeah. not like it's not although, like although although Buffy is harder to kill because the difference seems to be that she has family and friends. Mm-hmm. And Spike said who, that's not in the brochure. Like <laughs> who are willing who, that, who who don't just sit by but help Yeah, her. no, that um, seems to be the thing that makes the difference. And again, mm-hmm. it's like Xander pulling her out through the door in that first episode. It's not that he needs to be physically strong. It's that she just needs somebody else there. That's kind of she, how it was with Joyce. Yeah. Like She Joyce, needed just something Joyce extra. isn't going to win any battles, but having someone there is yeah. what makes the difference. And that's right. what makes her, I guess, unique, maybe? Or at least unusual, certainly among the ones that Spike's met because he's killed two others. That seems to be the implication. And yeah. and we've gotten hints before that the way of the Slayer is a lonely one. I mean, yeah. it, you know, this is it, it's no big surprise at this point that yeah, that being a Slayer is I mean, it is a singular uh occupation. Yeah. <laughs> um or 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 calling or whatever, but yeah, so I mean, I think I think you're right. I think that's the implication we're meant to have is is that this is unusual. Most slayers don't have people helping them out. Um and yeah, and you know, I mean, I think the the idea like I don't Joyce didn't really hurt Spike. I mean, it might have hurt to get, you know, the flat of an axe upside your head, but he ran away cuz he was surprised. Yeah. Like he like he he was it's sort of the first time in the episode where we find that things don't go his way and he's perturbed by it and he doesn't yeah. know what to do. So he runs yeah. like, it, it, you know, so that's definitely, uh, definitely all part of it. Uh, but he recovers, he kills the anointed one. And now we're on to uh, see what he's up to next or, or I don't know what one is coming up next, which episode, but we'll, uh, we'll have to talk about that next week, I suppose. Yep. So, okay. Well, I guess that's it for this week then. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week. See you then.